0: Hey, it's Todd Duncan. Welcome to High Trust Today, the podcast. I'm on a quest to help people win in business and in life. To do that, I know they must trust themselves, their relationships, their business, and they most certainly must trust their future. When you do that, you set in motion a universe of possibilities, and that journey begins right now. We have a great treat. Again, you guys were here this morning. You you felt it you understand it, the power of belief. Um, there's no better person in the afternoon to really take us again to the next level of success than our dear friend, Darren Hardy, the publisher of Success Magazine. Let's welcome Darren back. He's got a rock and roll hour for us. Let's go. All right, so I have uh, some really juicy information for you for this session. So as as publisher of Success Magazine, I have to admit, it's a pretty cool job. And it acts as a phenomenal calling card uh, that allows me really to get in front of or on the phone or to interview almost anybody you can think of on the planet. So I've been knee-to-knee with Richard Branson and Warren Buffett and Steve Jobs and Howard Schultz of Starbucks. And the other thing is I've been inside some of these world-class organizations to study how they do what they do, so Nike, and Harley Davidson and Apple and uh, Mercedes-Benz and the rest of this. And so what I want to do is open up their playbook a little bit. This is information I don't ever really do in a a keynote like this. The only time I ever discuss this is in my private CEO forum where I take 25 CEOs for three days and we go intensive on sales and marketing, strategies that I've learned from studying these great organizations, uh, leadership building a high-performance culture inside your organization, and then systems and strategic planning. And this one piece that I'm going to give you right here is one of a 12-part stratagem that I take them through over the period of these three days. And they pay $10,000, by the way, to get this information. So I'm going to give this to you here over the next several minutes. And so this discussion is called how to build a cult or how to build a culture. And that is how to create a fervently committed community or tribe that is passionately engaged in your business. And so it comes down to how do you convert prospects into customers? How do you convert customers into rabid fans and rabid fans into loyal consumer advocates on your behalf? How is it that companies like Apple, Nike, Starbucks, Harley-Davidson have induced such loyalty, such fanaticism for their product, services, and brand. I want to give you, because I've spent a lot of time trying to decode how they have built this amazing fan following. And so I think I've boiled it down to six key strategies. So how is it that people become so fanatical as fans, to the point where they're willing to paint their bodies, put horns on their head? or big things of cheese on their head and act like absolute idiots. I mean, what, what is it that induces this kind of fanaticism? The same principles in sports or entertainment are the same principles applied back into business and brand and building a community and building a tribe. If you just think that this is just for sports or people just act like, this, like idiots for entertainment, think again. Here are what people do where they're actually taking people's business logos and are tattooing them to their body. That is what I call a loyal customer. (laughs) Right? What induces this kind of fanaticism? Why do these people love these brands to that degree where they're willing to actually tattoo it on their skin and have permanent demarcation on their bodies forever? Or, as we're seeing right now, sleep out into the streets, waiting for the Apple Store to open. The st- they, they are sleeping out overnight so that they can finally get in, so that they can give them their money. <laughs> I went into the Apple Store, and I said, because I was buying a bunch of other stuff, and I said, you don't happen to have an iPhone 5. He's like, no, but you can go on this website. At 10 o'clock, they release them, or you can you know, get here at... At, uh, right now, it's about 3.30 in the morning. You have to get here to get in line. I'm like, forget it, dude. I love you, love your stuff, but that's insane. But there are plenty of people doing it. And when they finally get their iPhone 5, how many people are saying, I finally got my mortgage through them, and are sleeping outside of your office and go, please, give me a loan app? Right? So, how can we start to induce that kind of same loyalty of sorts? So, there are strict, six strategies to get prospects to customers, customers to rabbit fans, and rabbit fans into loyal advocates or reps. So, let me start off with this question What is the percentage inside each of us that is emotional and/or versus rational? What's the percentage between emotional and rational as human beings? What would you figure that percentage is? here's the deal, we are 100% emotional, 100%. We make every single decision in our lives emotionally. We might justify, we might rationalize, we might excuse it intellectually, but we make every single decision emotionally. You have to know that about humans, because if you continue to talk to people's heads, you will miss them entirely. As Peter Drucker put it, people buy with their hearts, not with their minds. If you're making an intellectual argument for why your product is better than somebody else's product, your company is better than somebody else's company, you're missing the mark entirely. When I got a chance to spend some time with Howard Schultz of Starbucks, you know, they, he built this amazing brand. They had thousands, tens of thousands of stores all over the place. Then he retired off into the sunset, and Starbucks started to take a fall. And he had to come back in on a white horse and basically turn around Starbucks. And it took him a while to figure out kind of what it was that Starbucks had lost. And he finally found it, and that's what has turned the entire organization around. Here was the answer that he finally figured out. We're not just selling coffee. We're selling a relationship. We're selling an experience. Emotional connection is our true value proposition. We need to train our staff. We need to orient our stores. Our entire business needs to be focused on creating the emotional connection rather than just selling coffee. So right now, here's where the fierce competition is. The competition in today's marketplace is not for customers' money. The real competition is for their emotions. So here's the game-changing mindset shift that I want you to have right now. Everybody positions what they do. Let me just use somebody as an example. What, what do you do? What do you do? Just what do you do? I serve. Well, what do you do? I do mortgage banking. You do mortgage banking, okay? And that's what would be the typical answer. I'm not there's The typical answer to everybody else, I sell mortgages, I'm a loan officer, I work for Prime Mortgage, whatever. That's what you do. Now let's take this a step further. Marketing will teach you that you want to have a unique selling proposition. So some people figure out how to explain how they do what they do that's different than a competitor. So how do you do what you do that might be different than somebody else to give you an advantage as somebody is comparing themselves to somebody else, what would you say? How do you do what you do that's unique and special? Put a lot of knowledge in it. What would would you say, your neighbor here who's trying not to look at me? (laughs) How do you do what you do that's unique and different than your competitors? make yourself stand out, okay, offer something special or unique, okay, that's the, what's considered a USP. Did you have an answer? Okay, try to create a, a weightless experience for our clients. Okay, so that's, that's how you do what you do. But here's where you really want to get to in all your messaging, all your communication, and that is why you do what you do. It might be, you know, when I was growing up, my mom, we wanted to get a home, but she was overwhelmed by the process it looked intimidating it was complex and so it kept us from ever being able to get our own home as a family because this process was too overwhelming i'm in this business to cut through that kind of complexity and make it easy for moms who are raising children on their own to get into their first home do you see the difference in the power of that versus i'm a mortgage banker or I'm more knowledgeable, or I want to make it weightless, which is all really great, but why do you do what you do? That's going to have more heart connection, more meaning in your communication and in your marketing. Let me give you an example about how this is demonstrated out by world-class brands. First of all, nobody connects with what you do. Nobody connects with mortgage banking. Nobody connects with lending. Nobody connects you know, with funding, nobody connects with any of that. They connect with why you do what you do. So here's what most messaging, let me give you another example about how what we just went through here in, say, mortgage finance applies out to another business. We make computers, that's what? Ours has a quad Intel Core i7 Kepler NVIDA graphics and an ATI Radeon HD 5770 with one gigabyte of GDDR5 memory. That's how theirs is different than somebody else's. Do you want to buy it? Versus starting with why. You might recognize this particular message. We believe in challenging the status quo and thinking different. We build beautifully designed tools that unleash your creative potential to help you change the world. Want to buy? Totally different value proposition, totally different message, totally different connection when it comes to talking to somebody's heart versus talking to their head. So the six strategies to building your culture are this. Number one is to identify the common purpose between you and your customer marketplace. Have a higher purpose. Create a vision for your customer group, a vision for your tribe, a vision for your community that's greater and has more meaning and has more purpose, that will appeal to somebody's heart, not just their head. So this is how Steve Jobs put it. We had him on the cover of Success Magazine. I got a chance to spend some time with him. He said, sell dreams not products. What we are about is not making boxes for people to get the job done. We believe that people with passion can change the world for the better. That's his message. That's his purpose. That's his vision for his consumer tribe. And this is how they articulate it. Now, you got to remember, he's in the electronics business. He sells computers and you know, electronic devices. His whole purpose about creating a greater vision, having a higher purpose, had nothing to do with computers. It had everything to do with creating meaning, setting a bigger vision, a bigger purpose for those that wanted to. And so if people saw themselves as the crazy ones, if they ever felt as a misfit, if they didn't want to accept the status quo, that pierces their heart. That makes them say, this is where I want to buy my computer because they spoke to my heart, not my head. And you see all the messaging that Apple continues to have. Think different. That's why we're here, to make a dent in the universe. Those are rally cries. Those are saying, if this is what you believe, come over onto this side of the line. Here's how he put it. People are attracted to vision. Put a dent in the universe, attracted like-minded people who shared that vision. That became our advantage. You don't think that all this stuff happened by accident, right? This is very intentional, strategic cult or community or tribe building strategies. Nike, another world-class company that has been attacked by every major competitor over the last 20 plus years and still is the reigning champion. I know it doesn't matter what you believe about it, they're still the reigning champion and they have been attacked in a, a myriad of different ways. Here's why, they use this culture building strategy. So let me show you this video. If you let me play, if you let me play sports, I will like myself more, I will have more self-confidence, if you let me play sports, if you let me play, if you let me play, I will be 60% less likely to get breast cancer, I will suffer less depression, if you let me play sports, I will be more likely to leave a man with beats if you me. let me play, I will learn to be strong, if you let me play sports. I still get chills when I see that. all favorite. I know you guys have done a lot of great commercials. That's my all time favorite. We're very proud of that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we hit them sometimes. That one hit it. That hit it. That hit it. You will be 60% less likely to get breast cancer. You will suffer less depression. You will more likely leave a man who beats you. Has nothing to do with shoes or athletic apparel, it has to do with meaning. And the important question to all this is, what possibly, as a framework to think about, would compel Oprah to talk about your message? Do you realize that she had the CEO of a major corporation on her show and showed his commercial during her show? Because that commercial spoke a message that resonated with her and pierced her heart. They sell shoes. You're, 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 you're talking about security. You're talking about the future of a family. I mean, you've got more meaning to put out into the marketplace than somebody who manufactures shoes made in a sweatshop in China. But what are you communicating to the marketplace? Are you creating a greater vision? Are you talking about meaning? Are you culture building with your customer Marketplace. So let me give you an example. This is one of the CEOs. She's in one of my private uh, forums, and she went. We, we we went through our strategies, and she literally just ripped off Nike's script and framework. And apply, she's in the insurance business. But this just shows you how immediately you can change your message. Her in the insurance business is all about you know this rate, and same same conundrum you've got. I'm a better person, I'll work harder for you, I have a greater service, I'm more knowledgeable. We're, you know, our, our, I mean, they're selling paper, right? You're selling paper. So same conundrum, and it was all just a blood you know, sport of you know, one insurance carrier, one insurance agent over another. But now let's look at her messaging going forward. If you protect me, I'll have the best chance of beating a life-threatening disease. I'll be more likely to go to college. If you protect me, I'll make sure other kids have enough to eat. If you protect me, I'll inherit the family business. We will find, find the, solution the solution for pollution. If you protect me, I'll be a milk America. I'll eat better, move more, and live healthy. That commercial was made with her grandchildren and other kids of her office, and it's showing on 550 movie screens in her marketplace. Um, Actually, I think it's like uh, like three dozen movie screens, and it's showing 550 times a day. And she has game-changed her entire marketplace. She changed the conversation entirely. This is what I call the white knight strategy, by the way. So major leaders of her community have called her and said, I saw your commercial. What are you doing? I want to help you. I want to join you. I mean, she's got people of major influence that she's never been able to get on the phone calling her because she changed the conversation. That's the difference between speaking about meaning versus speaking about rates or prices or knowledge or experience and what have you. Google. Now, there can't be a more boring business than Google. I mean, they're in, the, they're in the zeros and ones. They're in algorithms. That's what they do. How do you create meaning with that? I mean, how do you speak passion? Again, you guys are helping people get into their first home, protecting their family. It's the, it's the safe ground for their entire future. You're in the, an important business. Now, Google, it's in search, for crying out loud. How can they possibly interpret this into a greater vision or purpose? Well, let me show you how they did. We all have a different journey. We're all searching for a different thing. Even if we're all trying to get to the same end point, the journey's for different reasons. A friend of mine, he found this wave. You know, that really got me going. I just started searching after that, and I want to try to find a better wave than that. The first person to pitch a perfect game would win a million dollars. I knew as much as hitting a home run gets you a point. I'm 16 years old. I'm what they call a supernova hunter. A friend of ours called up and he broke the news to her that she became the youngest person ever to discover a supernova. She just started with an idea, then something that wasn't there before, goes suddenly there. My wildest dreams is to have a hundred locations in Ypsilanti, and Ypsilanti would be the place to come for solar information. I'm scouring landscapes that nobody has studied before. Even for people who are not working in archaeology, I'm sure that Curiosity drives them. It's wanting to, to explain and understand you what it is that you're looking at and why things are the way they are. kind of keeps you wondering what else is out there and what else we could possibly find. Information is powerful, but it is how we use it that will define us. Information is powerful, it's how we use it that will define us. It's a message about purpose. It's a message about meaning. And that's what connects with people's hearts. So I ask you this question. Are you pitching products? Are you pitching mortgages? Are you pitching finance? Are you pitching service? Are you pitching experience? Are you pitching all these things that only appeal to somebody's head? Or are you pitching cause, mission, higher purpose? Figure out what's your rally cry. What's your rally cry for your marketplace, for your customer advocacy group? What's your rally cry? Why are you in the business that you're in? State that with passion and conviction, and people will march to your door. Here's number two. Identify your tribe. Make them special. Help them show off. If they do business with you, what is their social benefit for doing so? How can you help them identify their importance to the world? Let me show you a company that does that. To the point where people will cut a logo in the back of their head, Apple will help sell an identity, an image, a status. They sell access into a membership, into a community, into a tribe. When you hold this phone to your ear, you are making a statement to everybody else around you that you're cool, that you're hip, that you're in the community. You are in the club, which is the reason why, if you look at your iPhones, it has the Apple logo in a place that you will not cover it with your hand so that you can show everybody else how, in fact, cool you are. That's part of tribe membership which is the reason why I like seeing some of these here. Identified tribes, the red shirts, making a statement, proud to be part of the group. That's identity. That's community. That's access. That's great. So, Apple, once again. The problem was is they created this little device that you could put in your pocket, right? Steve Jobs said a thousand songs in your pocket. Now they have a problem. How do you show off if it's in your pocket? So they figured out the only thing that's outside the pocket are the earbuds. Well, all the earbuds at the time were black. What if we make them white? So that if you see somebody else with white earbuds, you can wink to them and say, yeah, you and me too, we're in the club. (laughs) And then they advertise that. Look at what they're doing. They are advertising specifically, identify your tribe by the buds. You can even see what it says there. Join the iTunes community. Not buy our product, join the community. Interesting thing, when you get an Apple laptop, see one right here, notice that when the lid is closed, the Apple's upside down. In other words, it's your product, it's yours. But when it's closed, it's upside down. And that doesn't tick you off. Why? Because when it's up, you want to be able to show everybody else how cool you are. This is the reason why the apple is upside down to you, so that it could be right side up to show off to everybody else. This is a actual ad that they did. They went and showed you exactly how you dress to be an apple consumer. And they broke down each piece and told you how much it was to buy a hoodie, a t-shirt, and a pair of jeans. This is the identity of the creative types, the ones that want to go out and put a dent in the universe. They are continuing to sort of reinforce these messages of this is our community. Harley-Davidson, another fantastic example. So I want you to see what it is that they're selling in this commercial. This is a commercial professionally done. Millions of dollars put in the production and then in the distribution. Now Harley-Davidson sells what? Motorcycles, you would think. Let's watch their commercial. Me, I'm gonna conquer a dream. I'm not stopping till the road ends. I'm going where the wind takes me. Me, I'm not making any more excuses. How many cc's did that bike have? (laughs) Who cares as long as you look cool? (laughs) Harley Davidson gets it. It's how you want to look, not exactly what you want to ride. I mean, they didn't talk about the technologies or the new advancements or the cc or the engine or or, or the features and functions of the bike. It's all how you look. They're selling an identity. They're not selling a motorcycle. Here's another example. Now, Mercedes-Benz, a couple of years back, put out one of the most technologically advanced vehicles in the history of the automotive industry. I mean, amazing technology, amazing, amazing innovation in engineering, and this was the commercial to explain all these innovations that they put out into the marketplace. Let's watch. It's a universal gesture, a way of telling the world you did it without saying a word. Introducing the Mercedes-Benz SLS AMG, the best or nothing, that is what drives us. A way of telling the world you've made it without saying a word. That was the main message, the innovation, the technology. That didn't matter as long as you got to show off. And they know that that's what you wanted most in that car, and that's exactly what it is that they focused on in their commercial. So I ask you, translating this into your own industry, what is the identity or status symbol of your brand? What happens, to, what do your customers get to show off, tell their friends about, brag about, if they do business with you versus somebody else? What does owning your product or service give them access to? How can you market or leverage that better? And make that more part of your central messaging. I'll show you how to get these slides. You don't have to write down every word. Oh, here you go. So once again, it's the same number. Both presentations will be sent to you if you just text in. Okay. If you want to write it down while your head is down, 623. 223-7795. Now, you have to put your name and email because it emails it to you, so you have to have your email in there correctly. Okay, uh, And I'll leave it over to, the, over to the corner, okay? Here's number three of the six strategies. Three, take a position. Take a stand. Have a point of view. If it's polarizing, it's even better because here's the deal. Political correctness is so last decade. It's better to be loved or hated than it's better to be loved or hated than tolerated or simply ignored. Have an opinion for God's sakes. And take a stand and make a statement and stick to it. Let me give you an example. So here's the first thing to do. Identify your common enemy. Because this fires up your believers. What's the enemy of your customer group? Make that your enemy and talk about how you together want to fight them. Let me show you an organization that basically changed the game of their organization on a single commercial back in 1984. And remember that this this company sells computers and electronics, but this is the commercial they came out with to revolutionize their organization. garden. On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh, and you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. What do they sell? They're selling their common enemy. Who is the common enemy? IBM and conformity. And they wanted to say, if you want to fight against conformity, Fight against somebody telling you how it has to be. And you want to fight for creativity, come over to our side of the line. That was the whole main and purpose. Now, Steve Jobs had to actually go into his personal pocket, fight against the board, in order to get this commercial to be aired on Super Bowl 1984. And that commercial that said nothing about their products did not show one single electronic piece game-changed their company going forward, because what they did to the marketplace is they identified the common enemy. They drew the line in the sand. If you like IBM and conformity, you go over here. If you don't, you come with us. In my own book, so who needs another personal development book? There are lots out there, right? So, the first thing I wanted to do was to identify our common enemy. You'll notice that the introduction of my book is nothing but a rant, telling you what I hate, what I'm fighting against. And if you hate it and you want to fight against it too, then you lined up on my side and I took you on a journey the rest of the book. But if we didn't connect in a common enemy, I might not have ever got you involved or on my team or on my train to take the journey. Let me just read a little bit of the in- this is the introduction to the book, the first words in the book. This book is about success and what it really takes to earn it. It's time someone told it to you straight. You've been bamboozled for too long. There's no magic bullet, secret formula, or quick fix. You don't make $200,000 a year spending two hours a day on the internet, lose 30 pounds in a week, rub 20 years off your face with a cream, fix your love life with a pill, or find lasting success with any other scheme that's too good to be true. It'd be great if you could buy your success, fame, self-esteem, good relationships, and health and well-being in a nicely clamshelled package at the local Walmart, but that's not how it works. We are constantly bombarded with increasingly sensational claims to get rich, get fit, get younger, get sexier all overnight with very little effort for only three easy payments of 39 dollars These repetitive marketing messages have distorted our sense of what it really takes to succeed. We've lost sight of the simple but profound fundamentals of what it takes to be successful. I'm tired of it. I won't sit back and watch these reckless messages derail people any longer. I wrote this book to take you back to the basics. The whole thing is a rant. The whole thing is this is my fight. And if you identify, if you're like, yeah, I'm tired of marketing gimmickry. I'm tired of these over sensationalized claims that it's easy, quick and fast. I agree with that. Then we line up together and we take the journey. What is your fight? What's your introduction? If you're writing a book, what's your introduction that basically says this is the line in the sand? You're either over here or you're over here. You get to choose. You're with me or you're against me. One side of the line or the other. But if you are with me, I'll help you in ways you couldn't even imagine. One of the, so when I was doing the book tour, when uh, the New York Times publisher, when the New York publisher picked this up, um, we got an inquiry from CNN. And they wanted me to write an article for their website. And if you read the book, you realize one of my great enemies in society is sensational news media. And one of the leaders of that is CNN, constantly negative news. And so I said, well, what article am I going to write for them? So, hey, 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 Fox people, even worse, Okay, So let's not, let's not, all right. What article am I going to write for them? I said, I know what. Here's the article. Is wolf blitzer hurting America? And I went right into lambasting 24-7, negative sensational news media, and I sent it to them. Do you think they published it? No. I said, hey, if you really are fair and balanced as you publicize, you will publish this, and we'll have a healthy debate about it. No, of course they didn't publish it, so I did. (laughs) And this was the most commented blog post on my entire blog. Now, I write a lot of really great stuff. I mean, positive, inspirational, instructional, I mean, change your life stuff. But this is the one that rallied my tribe. This is the one that fired up my community. This is the one that got people to step forward and say, yeah, let's go, let's do this. That's what I'm talking about, picking a fight. I would love to have had CNN attack me, because then it's the David and the Goliath story. Oh, you're picking on poor little me? I mean, it would have been awesome. I could have I really got some, some play out of that. So point is, is that this is what really galvanizes people to step forward and connect. Michael Dell, when he was uh, building Dell in the very early days, one of the things that he said was a game changer for him when I talked about it is he decided that he and Dell were going to go to war with Compaq. Three-day weekend, he had the whole office um, decorated in Army fatigues throughout the entire office. And then he showed up Monday morning to the office in full fatigue regalia and had a company meeting that said, we're going to war with Compaq. And he said, our internal office rallied like never before. They got fired up. They were passionate. They were engaged like never before. And he says, that energy is what catapulted us in the early stages of Compaq. Another, Ted Lencion says that we had in Success Magazine, in the early days of AOL. He said one of the things that was a turnaround for his organization is when they really decided to go right at Microsoft. So they had this big dinosaur, this big blow-up dinosaur. And every time one of the departments threw a blow at Microsoft, they got to bring the, the blow-up dinosaur into their department. So all the departments were fighting to get the dinosaur in their department by, lamp, or by throwing victory you know, uh, 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 marks at Microsoft. But that's what rallied the internal team. So, what's your internal team's fight? What's your internal team's rally? Because when you can find something that people can focus on, it fires them up. It gets them engaged. Much more so than just coming to work to perform a job task or to crank out X number of loans or to, you know, to, to, to fund X number of dollars on a monthly basis. Now, Lance Armstrong, I don't care if you think he doped or didn't dope. If he doped, they all doped. He still kicked everybody's ass on a bike. I mean, whatever. But what I want to show you is how he built a great following through Livestrong. What is it that gave him great energy? Because he was actually a Tour de France racer before he had cancer. Then he had to fight cancer. Then he found his fight. And then that became the energy and the motivation that catapulted him to become a champion, but it also catapulted him to become a champion for cancer. So I just want to show you the messaging that's built into this particular commercial to give you a sense of how this is used out in the real world. Critics say I'm arrogant, a doper, washed up, a fraud, that I couldn't let it go. They can say whatever they want, I'm not back on my bike. The critics say, but I'm not back on my bike for them. A direct attack, a fight, and that's what rallied people to get behind Livestrong. You'll notice who produced that commercial, the great cult leader Nike. And then elevate them. What can you do that elevates the hearts of your customer marketplace? What makes them feel special? So here's an example about how this one great world-class company did it very, very directly to make them feel more special than if you went and did business with a competitor. Hello, I'm a Mac. And I'm a PC. You know, we use a lot of the same kinds of programs. Yeah, like Microsoft Office. But, uh, we retain a lot of what makes us... Us. But you should see what this guy can do with a spreadsheet. It's insane. (laughs) Oh, shucks. Yeah, and he knows that I'm better at life stuff, like music, pictures, movies, stuff like that. Whoa, whoa, what, what exactly do you mean by better? By better, I mean making a website or photo book is easy for me, and for you, it's not. Oh. Oh, that kind of better. Yeah. I... I was thinking of the other kind. What other kind? He knows that I'm better at the lifestyle stuff. I mean, can you get any more direct? I mean, it was done in a funny way. So you're like, ah, but it was a direct attack. Yeah, you're great with spreadsheets, but I'm better at the lifestyle stuff. That's what's called making your tribe feel special, elevating them because they're part of your community. I do that in the publisher's letter of Success Magazine, power to the entrepreneur. I'm constantly trying to elevate the audience of, the, of those that read Success Magazine. You'll see some of these messages show up within my publisher's letter to continue to sort of uh, rally the community, rally the audience of success. And then you want to inspire them. Raise their level of ambition. Let them see a higher version of themselves. You be their prophet of inspiration. They're distributor of inspiration. Let me show you how one of these world-class companies who spends millions of dollars to do nothing but inspire their audience. <laughs> inside that commercial, they weren't even showing you shoes. The last guy doesn't even have shoes. The whole point was to inspire you. Because if you inspire them, they look to you for inspiration. So when you strap on a pair of Nikes, you have that association of being inspired by comparison to somebody else. I mean, they didn't show their merchandise at all. Lots of money was spent to produce that and distribute that, and it was just for the purposes of inspiring their core audience. Same thing I do inside of Success Magazine. It's not enough to be alive, it's time to thrive. The whole point is just to sort of inspire your audience. And then challenge them. You can't just inspire them. You can't be all happy, happy, happy. Every once in a while, like what's happened here and the video that goes along with this, you've already seen, so I just want you to think about it in this context. Why would a brand or an organization spend money to basically insult, in some cases, or challenge their customer? Because that fires up the believers. That continues to have people stand on your side of the line. And the commercial you already saw, so I won't play the whole thing out, is this one. I'm too weak, too slow, too big, I ate too much for breakfast, I got a headache, it's raining, my dog is sick, I can't right now, am not inspired, it makes me smell bad, I'm allergic to stuff, I'm fat. I'm- so essentially, they took all the excuses that people make about why they don't work out, put them in your face, and challenged you to get over it, stop the excuses, right? I mean, again, how, do, how does a... A CEO of a major corporation justifies spending millions of dollars to put a commercial out that does nothing but attacks you for your excuses. Because they know that the believers will entrench themselves on your side of the line because that fires them up. Or as I I use, just giving an example of the publisher's letter, innovate or die. Like here's the deal. Do it or, or you're dead. Continue on this current path. Business is over as you know it, part of the challenge statement. And then don't be afraid to deselect people. This is the whole PC thing that mutates and will erode your effectiveness in the marketplace. Don't be afraid to turn off everybody else. Figure out who you want, who your customer advocacy group is, who you're fighting for, who you're fighting with, and then don't worry about pissing off everybody else. Let me give you an example. stop Harley for badness sakes is that gonna queer some people yeah but you know the people that the people that want to feel like a badass they're gonna be like yeah love that (laughs) right I mean triumph is not doing you know I mean that's what it continues to fire and excite the believers the unpopular view of leadership I am not afraid that you'll notice that on the the tagline of success magazine is what achievers read if you're not an achiever just just keep this on the newsstand this is for achievers this is for entrepreneurs these people who are taking self-responsibility for their income for their economy for their health for their marriage for their lives for their family all else keep going there's people magazine down the road there's escort you know i'm not afraid of turning people away but because when you turn people away the people who are on your tribe It entrenches them further. And then believe in them. Show them that you are there for them, that you believe in them. Let that be part of your messaging, that you believe in them, your customers as well as the agents that you serve. Let me give you an example about how a world-class organization spends money to do nothing but say, we believe in you. I can be anything, I can do anything I want. And then Nike's message, you can, you can. Only to impassion their believers even further. Entrepreneurs, the mavericks of progress, just saying, I believe in you, the entrepreneur. You're at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing in our society, and it matters. So. What is your stand? Who or what is your enemy? Identify that, and you can impassion an audience like never before. You're not selling mortgages, you're not selling money, you're not selling loan applications, you're not selling service, you're not selling knowledge. Sell something of a higher purpose, of a greater common good. How can you inspire, elevate, and demonstrate your belief in them? Here's number four. Then you have to fulfill their needs. Show that you understand their pain, their frustrations, their hopes, their aspirations. One of the things I teach to my CEOs is you need to get in bed with your clients. Lay there in bed with them. As they stare at the ceiling, what are they worried about? What are they anxious about? Who are they worried about? Who are they afraid of? What are they afraid of? What do they hope What do they aspire to? What's their wishes? What's their greatest dream? What's their ambition? If you can get in the bed of your client group and feel what they feel and write that down and make that part of your messaging on a regular basis, you will connect, not with their head, but you will finally connect with their heart. You will speak to their real needs and their needs are emotional, not intellectual. Let me show you how Zappos does it. They sell shoes online, okay? How do you possibly, you know, how do you translate that into, we understand you, we get you. Here's how they did it in their commercial just before Christmas. I do a lot of work around the house and sometimes it can be a, a little stressful. Honey, coffee's ready. And sometimes, I like to do just a little something for myself. What? Right? The whole message there was just, we get you. We know what it's like. And that's all they were trying to say. We know what it's like. And yeah, if you want to do something for yourself, we're here because we know what you like to do for yourself when you are trying to de-stress, and it's called shoes. That was their main demographic, is women. Those were their problems. This is their potential healing tonic, so to speak. In a publisher's letter not too long ago, the whole title was, we are here for you. And if you read the first couple of few paragraphs, it's nothing but saying, we are here for you. We know what it's like out there. We know what you're faced with. We know how it feels. We know what you're surrounded with in terms of the negative images and messages that are bombarding you, making you believe that you can't, and it's difficult. But we're here as your beacon of hope and inspiration. You can turn to us. We'll be here for you. It was just about building a bond with the community, with the audience. So I ask you, what are you selling? When it all comes down to it, as you try to boil all these things down into a single product, What is it that you, in your business right now, what are you selling? Just give me some, what are you selling right now? Dreams, hope, peace of mind, security. Okay, so I want to take this a big deeper level here. This is the real key to cult building, culture building. This is the key point you've got to get. This is what we were talking about, Dave. This is why I wanted you to sit through here. Here's the one thing you are selling at all times. In any message that you put out there, you are only ever selling you. Until they buy you, until they like, trust, or love you, they won't like, trust, or love anything that you have to say. They won't believe, they won't follow, they won't buy. You are always selling you, first and foremost. You need to know that it's not the words about your product, your service, your knowledge, you know, your process. The first words out of your mouth need to be what is it going to take for you to know that I have your best interest at heart so that they buy you. And until they buy you, will they ever listen or buy what it is that you've got to sell? You are selling you. So let me give you the reason for this. Humans connect with humans. This is so important to get. They don't connect with brands. They don't connect with companies, products, books, websites, or magazines. They connect with people. What is the one image that is most attractive to a human being? You'll see it in a magazine ad, television, what have you. What's the one design element that is the most attractive to a human being? another human being, and it could be just their feet or their hands, but the object of another, of of the human body is the most attractive design element in any marketing or advertising, which is the reason why you'll see Apple, they don't just show you the product, they'll show you somebody with it on its lap with their feet, because you'll be more attracted to the human being figure, then you will see the product, but if it was just the product, you would go right by it. Same when it comes to communication. People don't connect with brands, products, services, they connect with people, human beings. You track human beings by being human. So how many people saw this viral video, uh, Kony 2012? This is the most viral video in the history of the Internet, 130 million views. This is put out by an organization called Invisible Children of which I've been on the board of for four or five years. For and Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that this is the 24th video they put out, the 10th film documentary that they put out. And they've been in business for seven years. A lot of people thought this was an out of the blue overnight success story. Well, for a couple of years while I was on the board, they'd lost their message. They were spending too much time about the political advocacy, and they were doing films about what was going on on the ground over in Uganda. And I said, look, guys, it was started by three young guys out of San Diego Two were in their early 20s and one was 19 when this whole thing started. They went over to Uganda, saw these children that were being displaced, recruited into the LRA, and being taught to kill other people. And they met this one boy named Jacob. And you'll see Jacob here in a second. And they made a promise to Jacob. And they made a film called Invisible Children, The Rough Cut, and so forth. But what happened was they lost their way. I said, guys, the reason why you are able to get children to lay out in the streets to the tune of millions all over the world is because they fell in love with you you have to realize you're the rock stars of this whole movement they wanted to be like you or they wanted to be you and they fell in love with you you have to put you back in the middle of your message because they don't know how to connect with a political process or works on the ground in uganda but they do know how to connect with you the human being and that advice was the game-changing element, in my view, of course, because it was my advice, that made this whole thing work versus the times before. Let me just show you how the formula for connecting and the formula for building a culture or a cult-like following uses the element of human as the central theme. Let me just show you the quick little piece of this here out of Coney 2012. We're going to stop there. I made that promise to Jacob, not knowing what it would mean, but now I do. Over the past nine years, I have fought to fulfill it, and the fight has led me here, to this movie you're watching. Because that promise is not just about Jacob, or me, it's also about you. And this year, 2012, is the year that we can finally fulfill it. And if we succeed, we change the course of human history. But time is running out. To level with you, this movie expires on December 31st, 2012. And its only purpose is to stop the rebel group, the LRA, and their leader, Joseph Kony. And I'm about to tell you exactly how we're going to do it. So that movie, when it was put out, they expected a half a million views. Their big, hairy, audacious goal was a half a million views. Now their previous films had only gotten 85,000 views in total before that. A half a million was a huge goal by December 2012. We're not even close to that yet. They got a million views in a day. And then the thing just blew up to 130 million views. Now let me decode what you just saw there. This is the formula for building a cult following, what you just saw there. Here's how it works. The formula for enrolling loyal advocates in your community. Three-step process. Number one, people fall in love with you. They have to fall in love with you. People fell in love with Steve Jobs. People fell and are in love with Richard Branson. You'll notice that all the great brands have a human spokesperson to connect with. So people fall in love with you first. And that's so important. It will change your messaging. When you realize, oh, I got to get them to get me first. I got to get them to fall in love with me first before I start trying to convince them about what it is that I've got. That changes your messaging entirely. Here's number two. Once they fall in love with you, then they will fall in love with your passion. What you believe, what's important to you, as long as it also identifies with their values and what's important to them. So number two is you have to express, state, what are you passionate about? What's your why? As we talked about at the beginning of this. They'll fall in love with you, then they'll fall in love with your passion, and then here's number three. Then they will do what you ask. So in that movie, if you haven't seen Kony 2012, go watch it because it is all about how to architect this message. He spends a lot of time in the beginning of the film re-ingratiating himself to his audience, to him, as he starts to educate his child, his five-year-old child, about what's going over in Luganda. So in the film, you fall in love with him, and you fall in love with his son, and you fall in love with their family, and then he tells you what he's passionate about, and then because you love him, you love his passion. Now you're passionate about it, and then he tells you, here's what I want you to do and then people marched, to the tune of 130 million views, shared, 100% viral, not a single dollar spent on marketing or advertising whatsoever. That's the formula. And then if you do these things, realize that you will have people's heart in your hand. Now you have a responsibility. Now you've got to do the right thing. So I say six, you have to deliver. You're going to make these promises. You're going to set a higher bar. You're going to create a greater vision. You're going to have a higher purpose. Now you have to deliver. Don't break their heart. Don't disappoint. Don't disrespect. Don't neglect. And don't forget to appreciate, because they will be loyal followers, loyal advocates, loyal partners in advocating for your cause, for you, for your passion. And then never forget, nothing fails like success. You should be incredibly afraid of your success because it is fleeting. There's a restaurant on the beach in San Diego. When it first opened up, it was fantastic. And I mean, the food was phenomenal, the service was impeccable, the host was bright and cheery, shoes were polished, the place was clean. They re reassured that you were having a great experience. And then they got successful. And I was lying out the door. And you know, it was hard to get reservations and so forth. And then we visited about three months later. And the hostess was kind of snooty. And the wait staff you know, was a little disheveled. And the food was just OK. Within six months, out of business. They had the community in their hand and they took their success for granted. And the things they did to become successful, they no longer did and they lost it all together. Realize nothing fails like success. If you're successful now, be scared shitless (laughs) about continuing to do the things that got you to be successful day in and day out. Because you can never own success, you can only rent it, and the rent is due every day. Remember what it was like when you first got started, what you did, what you sacrificed, the effort you were willing to make, the hours you were willing to put in, the way you were willing to push yourself. And then stay humble, and as the great prophet who's no longer with us, stay hungry, stay foolish. And build your culture as a force for good. The same principles could be used to do destruction are the same principles that could be used to do great works, to invest and breathe life and breathe success and breathe potential into other people's homes and families and lives and futures. Just use this knowledge, these six strategies as a force for good. With that, all I ask in return is to tell me about your results. If anything that we've talked about in our two sessions today make a difference in your business, three months from now, six months from now, nine months from now, my reward, my remuneration is to get the stories, to hear about it, to know that today we had an impact and a difference was made. And with that, I thank all of you for your time and attention. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Up. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, before Darren leaves the stage, I, I have to tell you something. We've been hosting this event since 1992. Today was the most forward-thinking, rich presentation that I think we've ever had from a guy who cares about us. Thank you so much. All right, that was monstrous, awesome. Thank monstrous. you. Monstrous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys.